You're young, you're rich, and you marry well. Your father-in-law becomes president of the United States, and you suddenly find yourself in the White House, where, even though you've never worked in government a day in your life, you're put in charge of bringing peace to the Middle East and negotiating international trade deals, not to mention solving the opiate crisis, reforming veterans' care, and reinventing government so that it works, as you tell the world, like a great American company. Only there's a small problem. You can't get a security clearance. You fill out your security form, and you forget to mention all the dozens of contacts you've had with foreign government officials and ambassadors. You fill it out again and again as your lawyers keep finding more stuff you forgot to mention. U.S. intelligence agencies pick up intercepts of foreign officials in China, the United Arab Emirates, and elsewhere talking about how they can manipulate you because of your naivete and your family's company's interests in desperately seeking cash from overseas investors. Welcome to the world of Jared Kushner, who this week was stripped of his top-secret security clearance, resulting in a serious downgrading of his ability to do his job. It comes during a week of major new turmoil within the Trump administration, including the resignation of yet another White House communications director and an extraordinary public spat between the president and his own attorney general, all of which we'll explore on this week's episode of Skullduggery. There is absolutely no collusion. I didn't make a phone call to Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. Everybody knows it. Because people have got to know whether or not their presidents are crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true. But the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. The British government has learned that Saddam Hussein recently sought significant quantities of uranium from Africa. How many times do I have to answer this question? Can you just say Russia yes no is a it? ruse. I'm Dan Clydman, and I'm editor-in-chief of Yahoo News. And I'm Michael Isikoff, chief investigative correspondent for Yahoo News. Well, Dan, it never stops the craziness inside the Trump administration. And this week was amazing. I mean, we have Kushner downgraded, stripped of his security clearance, Hope Hicks um, resigning this, like, you know, feud, public feud between the president and his attorney general. Yeah, like Uh, – individually, none of these things are really that surprising because they happen kind of every week. But – it, like it all happened this week. Like every every kind of thing that happens happened all like in one week, which is pretty amazing. The perfect yeah. storm. Uh, but let's let's start with Kushner. I mean, this is a big deal. This is a guy who is as close uh, and as high up in the White House as anybody. He has this you know wide ranging portfolio, basically in charge of half the government, and. He's downgraded uh, on his security clearance. He can't have access to the president's daily brief. He can't have access to crucial intelligence about the Mideast, about the countries he's supposed to be negotiating with. Yeah, he can't do his job. I mean, yeah. you know, other than the domestic uh, piece of his of his job, which is a smaller part of his portfolio. And the f- first thing I'd say is because he is the president's son-in-law, because he is so close uh, to Trump— this would not have happened uh, unless there were serious national security concerns about him being compromised in some way. Whatever they picked up on these intercepts, this idea that uh, countries like the UAE and uh, China you know, could, could leverage his 
uh, business problems to their right. advantage has that has to be a serious issue, uh, not just the fact that he you know uh, made all, you know it was a lot of mistakes on those security forms, but it's got to be more than that. Right. And then it's a humiliation. I mean, as you began to say, um, y- you know he, he is he is going to be there. Are, uh, you know, there are going to be moments when you know he's in a in a uh, situation room meeting, some national security meeting, where he's going to be asked to step out. Uh, or an Oval Office meeting when, you know, they're talking about, um, uh, uh, cl- you know, information, national security information. Yeah. Where, you know, and, and so much of uh, policy, foreign policy, the information flow of pol- foreign policy is driven by the intelligence agencies. Um, and they rely so heavily on, on highly classified information for that. Well, just, just look at the Mideast. Okay, so he's in charge of, like, solving the Israeli-Palestinian crisis. And you have in Israel uh, uh, taking uh, uh, regular military strikes in Syria at Hezbollah positions uh, uh, based on arms shipments from Iran, all of which involves highly classified intelligence. Uh, uh, Kushner's supposed to be... Working with the Israelis on well, on look. these matters, what does he do? So he doesn't have access to it. He doesn't know what the Israelis know, what U.S. intelligence agencies know. Um, most about these. and and yeah. and most big diplomatic deals, most p- peace deals, involve highly classified back channel diplomacy. Of course, he will not have any window into that. He cannot be involved in that process at all. And. But just going back to the, the yeah. sort of the, uh, to the extent to which this is a humiliation, it, there are like 1.3 million Americans who have top secrecy clearances, and Jared Kush- Kushner does not make the cut. But my favorite detail yeah. is that the chief White House calligrapher, this is the guy who like you know does the like the name cards, you know, or state yeah. dinners or you know invitations that get sent out. This guy, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but that mm-hmm. position has top security clearance. Yeah, higher than uh, Jared Kushner. Now, Kushner was downgraded from top secret to secret. My favorite tweet this week was from uh, veteran Pentagon reporter Nancy Youssef, who said, talk in the Pentagon hallway. Having a a secret security clearance basically authorizes you to read the New York Times. Um, So that gives you some idea of uh, the the kind of uh, information that Jared Kushner will have access to. Yeah, so the question is, like... How long, how long? How long can he survive? Can he survive? Right. Um, and will he and and Ivan, Ivanka just move back? to Well, New that's York? it. I mean, if he leaves, does Ivanka stay? I mean, yeah. what is? Uh, you know, how does that work? Um, but let's uh, move on. So we've got um, also Hope Hicks announcing her resignation or confirming that she's going to be leaving uh, the day after she uh, is hauled before the House Intelligence Committee and refuses to answer any questions about her uh, conversations in the White House uh, based on some sweeping claim of executive privilege. Although although does acknowledge that to do her job uh, as, as a uh, spokesperson for Donald Trump mm-hmm. has to tell white lies. Yeah. Uh, now, I think there'll be a lot of question about defining uh, what a white how, lie is. How white those <laughs> lies are. Yeah, yeah. And then this new round 
of uh, feuding between the president and his attorney general. And uh, just a little backdrop on that, um, the uh, uh, Democratic memo rebutting the Nunes memo about the circumstances of the uh, uh, FISA warrant Carter on Carter Page, Page was uh, released last Friday. Um, Democrats claimed vindication. Tr- Trump and Republicans claimed it did nothing to rebut their core uh, claim that there was um, uh, uh that there were missteps and abuses in that FISA, and we'll be discussing that with one of our guests uh, today, um, uh, Andrew McCarthy from the National Review. But so Trump (laughs) has this tweet uh, uh, just the other day. Why is AG Jeff Sessions asking the inspector general to investigate potential massive FISA abuse will take forever, has no prosecutorial power, and already late with reports on Comey, etc. Isn't the IG an Obama guy? Why not use Justice Department lawyers disgraceful, all in caps? Now, just to decipher that a little bit, basically, um, Sessions, after the Nunes memo came out, said he was going to refer the allegations in the Nunes memo to the inspector general, which is the appropriate person to look into any claims of um, possible misconduct by a Justice Department or FBI employee. Um, the president is saying, no, that's not good enough. I want them prosecuted. I want prosecutors assigned to the case of bringing a criminal right. case. Yeah, okay, so first of all, yeah. just on the merits of his argument, and then and then we'll get to uh, the appropriateness of mm-hmm. tweeting something like that. No, this is not something that you know prosecutors in the Justice Department uh, would investigate. There's no crime alleged here. Uh, this is exactly the kind of thing that the Inspector General looks at, whether you know rules and regulations were violated, and even if uh, the allegation is there were some misrepresentations to the court, you know that is something kind of a classic thing that an Inspector General would look at. You know, could there down the road be a, ref- a criminal referral, possibly, uh, but uh, that's. Not what this is about. This is about uh, Trump, uh, you know, uh, wanting to be as aggressive as possible to deal with this witch hunt um, mm-hmm. that he's been complaining about uh, for all this time. Um, and the, the extraordinary thing, one thing we haven't talked about, um, is Sessions' response. Yes. Because in the past, uh, Sessions has actually kind of, you know, sort of been more sheepish and sort of had his tail between his legs. Um, and this time he actually came out right. without mentioning the oh. president with a fairly um, fulsome and yeah. aggressive response, defending yeah. his his integrity. Uh, you may have the words yeah, right he, there. He, here, here's what he said. As long as I am the attorney general, I will continue to do its work in a fair and impartial manner according to the law and constitution. Basically telling the president, you know, <laughs> bug off. Uh, and um, I, I was struck by a, uh, a quote in the Wall Street Journal on uh, Thursday from somebody close to Sessions, basically talking about the repeated attacks uh, by Trump. Uh, the quote is, he, Sessions, is tired of it. He just said, stop it. Fire me if you want. I'm not resigning. Yeah. And and. You know, what struck me when I heard uh, Sessions' response was this is the kind of thing that an, that an attorney general from one party would say when he or she were, you know, was hauled up to Congress and grilled by, you know, a congressional committee of another party, you know. Um, not the response that you would give publicly to a public lashing by your own uh, president. And, you know, I think what's—just to, to your point, 
what Sessions is saying, I'm going to continue in my job and, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to fire me. Well, I think maybe he's on to uh, Trump's, uh, uh, you know, kind of tactic here, which is Trump knows um, he... He can't. Probably, he can't. He can't, he he can't, can't fire, fire him. At this point. Um, and this is really uh, has been an M.O. of Trump's for a long time. First of all, he can't fire him because, I mean, the Washington Post al- already reported that um, his going, Trump's going after Sessions is being looked at by Mueller mm-hmm. a- as potentially part of this larger obstruction case. Uh, but he can't fire him for the optics, for the politics. Um, but what Trump, I think, may be trying to do is get him to resign um, and Sessions knows that, um, is on to him and is saying, you know, I'm not going anywhere. Right, right, right. I mean, he can't fire him, number one, because there's no way he'd be able to get somebody else confirmed in this environment with all the questions uh, uh, swirling about the Mueller probe. Um, and number two, in the meantime, the acting attorney general would be the deputy, Rod Rosenstein, who, who he Trump, also wants to fire. <laughs> who he also <laughs> wants to fire. So um, uh, and, and just the, the core issue here, though, I, just to, to decipher that 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 Trump tweet to begin with was basically Trump wants to be able to direct Justice Department criminal prosecutions uh, uh, at his enemies, which is really, it, I, I think most people would agree in law enforcement, that is an abuse in and of it itself. Is, it is a balder, uh, you know, at this point, I think, a, 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 a politicization of, of the Justice Department than I think even going back, that even more than Richard Nixon, just right. the extent to which it happens over and over again. Well, we have a uh, excellent guest to talk about that today. First up, Congressman Ted Lieu, uh, a member of the House Judiciary Committee, a Democrat, a fierce critic on Twitter of the president, and Jared Kushner. Hi, Congressman. Hello. Um, thanks for joining us. Um, want to oh, start? Sure. Uh, want to start out talking about Jared Kushner. Um, he has been uh, stripped of his security clearance, top secret security clearance. Um, you are calling on him to resign. Why? He can't do his job. Jared Kushner cannot be negotiating a Middle East peace deal if he doesn't have access to the highest levels of our intelligence that would tell them what do their players there actually know and believe. In addition, there's so many errors and misleading statements put in in this SF-86 form and other documents that he now is at risk of having even his downgrade security clearance pulled. Well, what, how would you feel about him just, uh, you know, uh, you know, doing his the domestic part of his portfolio, because, you know, he could reform the criminal justice system and, uh, you know, deal with the opioids crisis. Um, and I think he works on veterans issues. Would that be he wouldn't need a security clearance for th- for uh, those aspects of his job? Would you be satisfied with with that? That would be less troubling. But keep in mind, he has exactly zero qualifications on reforming the prison system or dealing with the opioid crisis or really with the issues that he's been charged with. If he was not the son-in-law of the president, he would not be in the White House. And 
being a Senate law and the president is not a good enough qualification to be a senior White House advisor. But look, as a practical matter, um, the president can name anybody he wants to the White House staff. Um, uh, you really have no leverage to get rid of him. Um, yet you uh, kind of troll him on Twitter. I was looking at your tweet the other day. Uh, or uh, more, uh, more reasons Jared Kushner needs to resign. We don't know where his loyalties lie to America or bailing out his and his family's debt. Um, are you impugning his patriotism there? Absolutely. It's one reason he can't get a high-level security clearance. He has a web of financial uh, arrangements. Uh, he has mounting debts, both to himself and his family. Uh, he refuses to answer a very simple question from Congress. Uh, I wrote a letter over two months ago, and over a dozen members of Congress signed onto that letter, and we basically asked them, just answer this just no question. Did you talk to any foreign nationals about 666 Fifth Avenue? And, as and you know, that, that is the Kushner real estate property that's been heavily underwater in New York. That is correct. Right. And he can't answer that simple question. We did a follow-up letter. He still can't answer that simple question. And what we have here is a person that is subject to blackmail risk, or he is doing his job with these conflicts of interest that are so massive uh, that anybody but the Senate or the president uh, would have been fired long ago. But there's real. is there a next step for you and others in the, uh, uh, in, the, in the House who feel as you do? I mean, like I said, he's not a presidential appointee. There's not much you can do about this. Uh, is, there, is there any other steps you plan to take? There is, because we have leverage in the form of public sentiment. And I think Abraham Lincoln had it right when he said that public sentiment is everything. Uh, with it, uh, nothing can fail. Without it, nothing can succeed. And I think one reason so many people have left or resigned from the White House is because of public sentiment and the American people looking at their deeds uh, or misdeeds and saying, uh, you should not be there anymore. So I think we continue to have leverage by simply raising the issue and certainly there are a lot of folks who are looking at his business transactions, and they look awfully suspicious. I, just, I have actually one last question about, about Kushner's his business transactions, because uh, the New York Times had this story about um, two uh, people who he had uh, business connections with come into the White House, have meetings with him, one from Citibank, I think, uh, the other a hedge fund guy, and then it turned out that he got um, his you know business got significant loans from them, and actually one of them was... Um, you know, in discussions about a job. Is that something that um, that uh, you and your committee will look into, and how troubled are you by that story? That's a very troubling story because it shows that he's blurring the lines between serving America and trying to benefit his business and that of his families. And that's exactly the problem that he's been running into this entire past year. I believe that's one reason he still can't get a permit security clearance and it really puts him, I think, in a compromisable position, and he should be nowhere near the White House. You are a member of the House Judiciary Committee. You have oversight of the uh, whole uh, Justice Department. Uh, what do you make of the uh, president's uh, tweet to Attorney General Sessions um, calling disgraceful his decision to uh, refer to the Inspector General uh, the allegations that were raised in the Nunes memo about uh, 
uh, improprieties in the filing of the FISA warrant. Uh, the president seems to want uh, uh, prosecutors unleashed on the FBI agents uh, who did this. Um, and then, of course, Sessions uh, fired back saying uh, he um, uh, he has no intention. As long as I'm attorney general, I will continue to do its work in a fair and impartial manner according to the law and constitution. That was a remarkable statement by the attorney general. He was basically saying that what the president is asking to do uh, would be dishonorable and would violate his integrity, and he wasn't going to do it. And the attorney general is absolutely correct. Uh, the inspector general is the perfect office to look into any alleged claims of FISA abuse. The attorney general, I'm sorry, the inspector general. And the inspector general does not work for the attorney general's office. Uh, he can do an independent investigation. And by the way, there is actually no evidence that there was FISA abuse. The Democratic memo lays out very clearly that there was overwhelming probable cause to execute a surveillance warrant on Carter Page. And this investigation, I don't think, is going to help the president one bit, but he's grasping at straws in any way to try to have their mole investigation go away. So as a member of a judiciary, you are in a, um, a particularly important spot that could uh, be even more important should the Democrats get back control of the House. And as you know, uh, many of your members and many of the Democratic base don't think getting rid of Jared Kushner would go far enough. They want to get rid of the president. Um, are you thinking now about uh, impeachment resolutions should you get back control of the House uh, in November? I think a lot of it will depend on what Special Counsel Mueller's investigation reveals. Uh, the answer may be made easy for us. We know that the Special Counsel is now asking the important question basically of what did the president know and when did he know it in terms of Hillary Clinton's hacked emails. And if the president knew that the Russians had those emails and he helped to amplify their release, uh, then that is collusion, uh, otherwise known as conspiracy. So I think a lot will depend on what the special counsel's investigation reveals. But based on what you have seen so far, and there are a lot of people who would say, we've seen enough. A lot of Democrats, a lot of progressives would say, we've seen enough. Uh, of this president to know that there are grounds for impeachment already. Um, so, and I believe you were one of the 58 or so Democrats who voted not to table the impeachment resolution brought by uh, one of your colleagues, uh, Al Green of Texas. Uh, that suggests you may be among those. You may be among those who say the evidence is already there. Uh, to initiate uh, impeachment proceedings against the president? The evidence is absolutely there to have a discussion on impeachment. And that's why I voted the way I did, because I think we at least need to have the discussion uh, in the House of Representatives. Uh, as you know, it is both a legal and a political issue. There's no question in my mind that legally the president has committed obstruction of justice. And he did it publicly. He fired Comey. And then he went on national TV a couple of days later and said the one thing his attorneys would have told him never to say, which is he fired Comey uh, because of the Russia investigation. And then a week later, the New York Times reports that the president told the Russian ambassador that the FBI investigation was putting great pressure on him, and he fired Comey and it relieved that pressure. And to this day, the White House does not contradict uh, the statements that the president made. 
so that's pretty clear to me that that meets the elements of obstruction of justice. But you do have the political issue of needing a majority of the House of Representatives uh, to vote for it, and then you do need the Senate to convict as well. well let me follow up on that, Congressman, um, on the political issue and, you know, needing the ma- a majority um, of the House uh, to um, to impeach. Obviously, then you need the Senate uh, to convict. I- is that enough? Um, I mean, uh, if it were, we're so polarized in Congress um, and— um, um, Republicans at this point have not um, abandoned uh, the president uh, on any of this uh, Russia stuff, really. Um, if it came down to a party line vote, let's say that Democrats take back the House, because that's the only way it's likely to happen, um, and it's, it's literally a party line vote, is that, would that be satisfactory uh, to you? And, um, and, and is that not you know, corrosive to democracy to remove a duly elected president? On a party line vote, I mean, in some ways, it's you know, you know, subverting. It's a different way of subverting democracy from what the Russians did. Um, uh, wouldn't that be troubling? Yes, uh, that's a good point, and that's why I believe that impeachment is not something that uh, should ever be one of our first options. It should be something that we're really essentially uh, forced to do. Uh, my view is that, other than declaring war, uh, impeachment is. Uh, one of the gravest responsibilities of Congress and needs to be done uh, on the facts and the law, as well as uh, making sure that the American public is with us uh, if it were to be done. You mentioned one element of a potential impeachment resolution, which would be uh, obstruction. Um, uh, what other, if you were drawing up articles of impeachment, what else would you put in there? A conspiracy. Uh, so. Robert Mueller, as you know, uh, indicted 13 Russians and some other organizations for conspiracy uh, to basically defraud the United States and interfere in our elections in 2016. Why would he do that knowing that none of those Russians are ever going to see prison because they're in Russia and they're not going to be extradited? I believe one reason he did it is to lay out to American people that it is a violation of federal law to interfere in our elections, and it is a conspiracy, and if you weaponize social media to do that, you're guilty. He then can now take the step of showing if any member of the Trump campaign weaponized emails to try to influence elections in 2016 uh, with the Russians, that would be conspiracy. That would be a violation of federal law. Uh, so there would be a whole host of charges if Special Counsel Mueller's investigation determines that members of the Trump campaign knew about the hacked emails and help amplify them. We already know that former Trump official George Papadopoulos knew that. It was in his guilty plea. The question now is who else in the campaign knew. But that's still a pretty big if. I mean, that's the ball game, right? I mean, either Mueller can find evidence of that, that there was knowledge at the high levels of the Trump campaign about what the Russians were doing and there was an attempt to assist them in some way, or there wasn't. And um, we still don't know the answer to that question, do we? Well, we do know that George Papadopoulos was previewed uh, the hacks and and the emails and told that the Russians had dirt on Hillary Clinton. So the question is, who else in the campaign knew? And I don't know that. And uh, you don't know that. Nobody else knows that. But Special Counsel Mueller's investigation uh, is looking into that question. But I think we have to look at this in context. Uh, I am a former prosecutor, and we're also trained to look at what's known as consciousness of guilt, uh, what would an innocent person do 
uh, that a guilty person would not. And I can tell you the actions of Donald Trump uh, just look like consciousness of guilt all the time. Uh, he writes these desperate-sounding tweets about the investigation. If this investigation truly was a hoax, as he says it is, then why would he try to obstruct it at every turn? And as we sit here today, the president still has not implemented bipartisan congressional sanctions on Russia. He has not condemned Putin or the Kremlin for their attack on us in 2016, and he has not directed his FBI or NSA to prevent another attack. By the way, uh, back to the uh, obstruction case, do you see, and the Washington Post uh, reported that Mueller is kind of looking into this question, do you see his kind of uh, pressure on Sessions um, as potentially part and parcel of his larger obstruction case? Absolutely. Uh, The president, in addition to firing Comey, he tried to fire Robert Mueller uh, before Don McGahn said he was going to resign if he was going to do that. He also put pressure on Rosenstein to leave. And now we know from the Washington Post that he uh, tried to oust Sessions uh, last year. So this is, to me, all a pattern of the president trying to stop an investigation that, from all accounts, he looks like he fears. Um, You said before that you believe that there should be discussions about impeachment. Um, So uh, you've got a new ranking member uh, on the Judiciary Committee, Congressman Nadler, who would become chairman if, uh, if the Democrats take back control of the House. Have you had those discussions with um, ranking member Nadler? Uh, Have not. I think many of us are focused right now on taking back control of the House in November. And there'll be time afterwards, depending on what happens, to have those discussions. Uh, Speaking of the November elections, I want to throw in a a, a political question before we we wrap up here. Uh, Your uh, home state senator, uh, Diane Feinstein was rebuked by the California Democratic Party uh, over the weekend. They refused to uh, back her in her uh, efforts for reelection. Now, you were a supporter of, or you are a supporter, I gather, of the senator. Um, uh, how much of a blow is that to her hopes of reelection? And are you worried that the um, more progressive candidate running against her, I believe State Senator DeLeon, um, uh, might um, uh, might not do as well in a general election or, as she would. Or to put it slight, in a slightly different way, Congressman, um, is, is the resistance, and the resistance is very strong in California, dangerous to Democrats as well as to Republicans? It could be, although in the case of Senator Feinstein, uh, she has astounding name ID from her many years of dedicated service to California. Uh, he is, she is working right now on some of the critical issues of the day, uh, such as gun safety measures and banning uh, assault weapons. Uh, she has been strong uh, in terms of pushing back against the president uh, on uh, the mobile investigation. So I think she's doing all the right things. And for her, it's not about winning the primary. Uh, she's going to be in the top two in the primary. It's about winning the general election, and I think she's uh, very well uh, suited to do that. Um, well, Congressman, thanks uh, for joining us, and I can assure you that um, we will be back to you, especially if the Democrats get back control of the House, so we can continue this discussion about what the implications could be for our president. 
Anytime. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay. Thanks, Thanks Congressman. Congressman. We'll be back after this quick break. And now for a different perspective on uh, developments in the uh, Russia probe and uh, the Trump uh, White House, uh, we are joined by Andrew McCarthy, National Review Institute Senior Fellow. Uh, Andrew, welcome to Skullduggery. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I want to talk about your recent uh, piece about the Democratic memo uh, and why uh, you argue it harms Democrats more than it helps them. But before we start on that, uh, I want to get your reaction as a uh, former Justice Department prosecutor to this uh, extraordinary tweet by uh, the the president the other day uh, at uh, Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, uh, asking, uh, calling disgraceful his decision to uh, refer the questions about that FISA warrant on Carter Page to the inspector general. He says, you know, it'll take forever, has no prosecutorial power, um, isn't, isn't the IG an Obama guy. Why not use Justice Department lawyers? Uh, what'd you make of that? Well, for a few reasons, I think it was really um, a poor decision by the president to, to issue that. Um, you know, I, it suggests that he doesn't understand or isn't informed about the uh, standards and laws that apply to the Justice Department. When there's an allegation of official misconduct by a Justice Department official or an FBI official, uh, that has to be investigated uh, internally, whether it's by the inspector general or the, the Office of Professional Responsibility. There's different um, standards that apply, but it does have to be investigated internally. And I think it was smart for uh, Attorney General Sessions to announce that he had asked the IG to take the case or to, to look into the case, because the IG could have taken it on himself, as he did, I think, with, uh, uh, with the investigation that's now pending on the, the way the FBI handled the Clinton emails investigation. Um, he took it on himself in that instance to announce it. He could certainly have done it here. This way, by getting on top of it, Sessions looked like the Trump administration is taking it seriously. Uh, on your piece, uh, which was dissecting the uh, Adam Schiff memo, rebutting the Nunes memo about the circumstances surrounding the FISA warrant on uh, on Carter Page, uh, you argue it harmed Democrats more than it helps them. Uh, basically, uh, state your case. Why do you think uh, it uh, it undercut the Democratic argument? Well, I think it confirms the two main things that are alleged not only in the Nunez memo, but are actually uh, confirmed in the memo that uh, Senators Grassley and Graham did uh, in referring uh, Steele to the Justice Department and the FBI. Um, It confirms that the Steele dossier was used in a significant way in connection with the FISA application for uh, surveillance on Carter Page. Uh, And it confirms that the Justice Department was not candid with the court about the provenance of the dossier. How do you know that? You're assuming that the Justice Department and the FBI agents knew that the Steele dossier was paid for by the Clinton campaign. Um, Yet it's not even clear that uh, Christopher Steele himself knew that. So why do you assume that this was information that the FBI uh, already had? Um, I'm going on the basis of what has been reported about the 
um, testimony that was given by uh, Comey and McCabe to Congress uh, and about the fact that they had done investigation into how the dossier was generated. Well, I, I don't think it's clear that at that point in time, when they go to the court in October, that this was known to the FBI. Now, maybe they should it should have been known, but I don't think the public record is clear that they had that information. All right. I, 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 I'm pretty certain it's clear, but I'm perhaps you're right. I don't know. I don't, oh. I, but I believe it's clear. Also, um, Andrew, uh, the uh, you know the Democratic memo does say, and I know you're skeptical about this, and I want to kind of hear you uh, uh, kind of flesh this out uh, that uh, that the uh, that the FBI did disclose uh, that the dossier, uh, you know, was was uh, you know the provenance of the dossier was research done for a candidate, and so that they did disclose that to they're dis- to discredit to, to, one dis- of the, to discredit one of the one candidates. Of the candidates. Right. Um, uh, so just explain why that doesn't answer the charge in the uh, in the Nunes memo. Well, there's degrees of bias. And, you know, if you're I guess this goes back to Michael's point about whether the record is clear or not, that uh, that they knew what the providence of the memo was. If you assume if you assume for argument's sake that I am right about that, um, there is a difference, obviously, between the bias or the implied bias of Simpson, which was certainly um, what they referred to. Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS. Correct. Right. Right. There's a difference between the level of implied bias of a researcher who's retained to do the opposition research versus the political rival of the Trump campaign, which was ultimately the subject of the surveillance. And, uh, you know, look, in a in if you asked 100 federal judges, if we could poll them, uh, if you knew that piece of information, that is that uh, campaign A supplied the uh, information that was used to conduct the surveillance or to justify the surveillance of campaign B, uh, I would say you'd probably get 100 to nothing on the poll about whether that was something that needed to be disclosed or not. Yeah, but I mean, FISA judges can read and they read the application, which clearly states the FBI speculates the identified U.S. person was likely looking for information that could be used to discredit candidate number one's campaign. That's, a, you know, that's they certainly were totally free to ask follow up questions if they found that troubling, saying, what do you mean by this? Please explain um, if they thought that was pertinent to the decision about whether to grant that FISA application. And I should point out that the shift memo is quite clear, saying there was lots of evidence that the FBI had that gave them, you know, troubling questions about Carter Page that predated the existence of the uh, of the uh, Steele memo. Yeah, well, if it was that, if it was first of all, if there was that much evidence, they wouldn't have had to use the dossier. But you know, look, when when information is held back from a court, um, that doesn't mean the court is necessarily tipped off to the fact that information is being withheld. And we're talking here about a secret proceeding in which in which is, you know, classified in a secret setting um, where the government is sharing 
the, the most important national security secrets that we have with the court. Um, to withhold this piece of information under those circumstances is very peculiar. Can, can, I want to ask you, a, I guess, a legal question, I think, that goes to uh, this larger question about the, whether the FBI abused its, its power in, in seeking this warrant. I mean, it, isn't the standard is probable cause? Um, and in the context of uh, a national uh, security, in the national security context, that's actually a pretty low standard, isn't it? It's a, a reasonable ground standard. It's a little yeah. different from a criminal case where there's a strong presumption in favor of, you know, the Fourth Amendment's privacy protections. But in a counterintelligence investigation, you balance that against the need to protect the security of the country. And someone that actually Mike and I were talking to yesterday who has a lot of experience in this area of the law and worked at the Justice Department said it's actually like, you know, it's less than 50 percent uh, in terms of, you know, uh, whether whether a crime was committed or whether the person is acting as an agent of a foreign government. Yeah, well, let me, because uh, I've been having this argument with people for over 20 years, I guess. Um, probable cause is probable cause. Um, so, you know, the quantum of evidence that you should have to show should be the same. What changes is the showing that has to be made, number one. And number two, what's importantly different is the context. So what you have to show for the FISA warrant as opposed to a criminal warrant where you'd have to show that there was probable cause a crime had been committed, you have to show here that someone is knowingly actively a acting as an agent of a foreign power and that their clandestine activities are likely violations of federal criminal law. And along those lines, what the statute talks about is, you know, international terrorism, sabotage, uh, espionage type activities and the like. So. I, I think the quantum of evidence you have to show in either situation is the same. Where the where it's different with FISA, and this is why FISA was controversial when it was enacted in, in 78, is you're basically intruding the court into what is essentially an executive responsibility. And the because that's the case, and because this is kind of a novel concept that didn't even exist before 1978, the FISA court really should issue the warrant. So you don't blame the FISA court at all for this, you, but you, you do blame the FBI and the Justice well, Department. Dan, I, I, here's where I blame the FISA court. I, for all the talk that we've had about, um, uh, about Steele, I really don't think that his credibility was the big issue here. To me, the big issue is when you go to a judge, it's not the credibility of the aggregator of the information that is make or break when it comes to a warrant. It's the credibility of the informants who make the observations that the court is asked to make to base a probable cause finding on. And to me, the flaw in this warrant, and to the extent that the Steele dossier is part of it, and the reason I can't understand why a judge would, would sign off on it if, as, uh, as McCabe testified, uh, they, they, he says they wouldn't have had a warrant without what was in the dossier. But we, we don't know exactly what Andrew McCabe testified to because there's a dispute about it and we haven't seen the transcript of what he actually said. That is true. We haven't seen the transcript, although I, I, Schiff did not, you know, for all the back and forth that went on about that, um, the Schiff memo doesn't contradict that. 
That's a and fair I, point. Doesn't even bring it up. Right? Doesn't bring yeah, it up. I, he, he's, in media interviews, yeah. he has suggested that the original Nunes memo uh, uh, characterizing McCabe's comments were uh, uh, were wrong. But can I just get to what I think is the core issue here, which is um, you seem to be arguing that the Steele dossier was critical to the decision to uh, uh, initiate the counterintelligence investigation by the FBI writ large at Russian attempts to penetrate the Trump campaign. And from a counterintelligence perspective, you referred before to the FBI's uh, responsibility to protect the country. When you look at everything the FBI saw and knew in the fall of 2016, and it's not just Carter Page. It's the information about Papadopoulos. It's the information about Paul Manafort and his deputy Rick Gates. It's the information about Michael Flynn, their ties to Russians, um, the efforts by the Russians to penetrate the campaign. Wasn't it a responsible move by the FBI from a counterintelligence perspective to initiate an investigation to figure out what the Russians are up to. I, I, Michael, I, I've said any number of times um, it would have been irresponsible for them not to open investigation if they credited this information, which it certainly looks like there's plenty of it that, that was there to credit. That doesn't mean that you don't have to go through all the hoops that you have to go through when you do each individual investigative technique. I have no problem. I am not one of these people who's ever contended that this was all a a bunch of nonsense. And from what I understand, um, on a, on a kind of a human level, if I can divorce it from, from, you know, lawyer stuff and evidence stuff, um, the FBI or Steele came to the FBI, as I understand it, uh, with a lot of credibility because he had provided them information in this uh, FIFA soccer investigation, which I think was what the Obama administration regarded as the Justice Department as its most important uh, racketeering case. So I think they were inclined to believe him. And if you try to put your head where their head was in um, you know, the autumn or summer autumn 2016, um, when all this information was coming at them, I think that they were inclined to believe Steele, and they already were of a mind that uh, there was a lot of funky stuff going on with Russia. I don't, I don't dispute any of that. So, Andrew, you've made a big point of sort of questioning the legitimacy or the mechanics of Mueller's appointment as a special counsel, that the Justice Department never pointed to an actual crime to justify uh, that, that appointment. Can, can you just explain that briefly, and then I'm going to have a follow-up? Under the regs, you can't appoint a special counsel unless there's a finding that the Justice Department is conflicted in a criminal investigation. Um, So you're supposed to identify the grounds to have a criminal investigation and why the Justice Department is conflicted from that. And then that becomes the jurisdiction for the special counsel. And the whole idea behind that is our experience with special counsels or independent counsels or special prosecutors uh, has been that you know they they tend to start here and then they end up right and often- yeah and I understand why you don't want to have like an unfettered uh, you know right. prosecutor just kind of running amok but but as I understand it uh, Mueller w- is not appointed as a you know regulatory special counsel under six oh one point one in fact the Rosenstein letter explicit it's statutory and then there are other 
regulations, but not 601.1, which is the regulation that stipulates you have to identify a crime. Right, but but that that doesn't the fact that he doesn't invoke that doesn't mean he doesn't have to comply with it. Uh, so and what he, yeah, yeah, you, you can't make it up as you go along. I mean, that, that's what the regulations are there for. So that that is a violation of. You, he can't. He can't appoint any kind of uh, uh, outside, uh, or he's not an outside prosecutor. But any kind of special counsel, uh, a non-regulatory special counsel. Okay, we're really getting in the weeds here, but <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> I think it's a good question, and I've actually. Uh, I think he could have appointed somebody inside the Justice Department, um, like uh, you know. I know Mukasey did this in connection with the CIA interrogators, where. You know, I think he brought in the like the U.S. attorney from the District of Connecticut. To that do was money. actually Holder who did that. Uh, he brought in John Durham to investigate. He kept it. Holder the kept CIA him. torture. Casey yeah. appointed him initially. I right, that's right. So it could so it could be a U.S. attorney. Well, yeah, and then you're out from under those regs. All right. Well, I look forward to your next post on just that <laughs> point, inspired by this conversation on skullduggery. Okay. Um, but just sort of final point to wrap it up. You don't really suggest that any of this undermines or raises any serious question about the legitimacy of Mueller's probe, do you? Well, I, I don't think I, I think it was um, inappropriately appointed. But, you know, I had my say. And I lost. So, you know, I mean, okay. um, well, in Manaf- isn't this what know, Paul Manafort is part of his? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not questioning his, his yeah. you know, his legitimacy. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Manafort's civil claim, not in the civil context, because I think that's frivolous. But I assume he's going to raise that in a motion to dismiss the indictment. So it'll be interesting to see what the court does. With and, it. and it's worth noting that he is now scheduled for trial, and this will be uh, Mueller's big trial, uh, in September. Um, in, which in means, Washington or Virginia? I believe that's in Washington, and then there'll be a separate one in Virginia. They're going to go with the Washington one first? Um that seems crazy to me, but OK. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we shall see. And I and I could be wrong on this. So uh, we'll edit it well, out of uh, the edited <laughs> version of Skullduggery. Wrong, so I got to catch you on something. Right. OK. All right. Andrew McCarthy, thanks for joining us. I hope you'll come back. I sure will. So we fact-checked the location of the September trial of Paul Manafort after our McCarthy interview, and it is indeed in Washington, not Virginia. Our thanks to Congressman Ted Lieu and Andrew McCarthy for joining us on Skullduggery this week. Be on the lookout for another Buried Treasure episode on Tuesday, and don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll talk to you next week. 